Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mike Stevens, we're coming up on two months since all sports shut down. I mean, we're, we're changing the slogan, though, so I'm kind of encouraged. What, what did it go from stay home to go outside and be responsible what is it that's like a longer version do you have it for me it's definitely go outside and be responsible that's yeah. the that that is that it just rolls off the tongue it's not exactly snappy no, but i am encouraged by the fact that uh you know at least you know we've always been allowed outside mm-hmm. i've got to take my dog outside runs have been happening oh yeah uh but the fact that they want us to go and be responsible and you know we got i don't know if i guess mother's day is this weekend isn't it i thank you for reminding me about I, I that I don't think we're in a, a complete Mother's Day celebration, but at least I think you get permission to go socially distant celebrate with your mothers. You should all do that. Yeah, you should. You Public can go in the driveway. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Cuff out here repping for all the mothers, uh, all their mother listeners. Um, my mom is included in that, so uh, I have no excuse now. But no, like go to your go to a driveway. Have some fun. Um, yeah, six feet apart, obviously. You know, your mom is probably old, so you don't want to. You know, an infector, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good to know that things are starting to get loosened a bit. Like I think nursery in Toronto, nurseries and garden centers open today, which is like, obviously for, you know, like it's going to be like anything going to the grocery store, you're gonna have to wait in line. Only certain people, like, you know, a certain amount of people are allowed in, but it's better than nothing. You know, Mother's Day celebrations are not quite yet on the level of professional sports. Unfortunately, we're still a little bit away, a ways away from that. Uh, but you know what? We've had more news since our last discussion. I guess that happened about 10 days ago. Uh, yeah. We're spacing these out a little bit. Um, so things have changed since when we last spoke. I think we we centered that conversation a lot around, uh, you know, hu- hub cities being sort of the thing that everyone mm-hmm. was talking about. That's still what people are talking about, still what the NHL is considering. Uh, more cities have thrown their name into the hat, it seems. Uh, Vancouver, I guess, is one of the latest ones that wants to get involved. So that's a good sign that these cities uh, are not just, you know, you know, negotiating, but actually want this. Uh, that's probably an indicator that they're doing pretty well from a health perspective and that we are moving closer. But uh, again, this is sort of the last thing. I mean, we, we're just getting retail stores to open mm-hmm. to, you know, allow one employee to get in there and, you know, uh, put orders on the curbside for people to pick up. So we're, we're still a little ways away. Uh, there's no guarantees it's going to happen, but uh, the wheels, as they say, are in motion. Exactly. And I, the 
even with that, like the craziest, let's say there's a hub city, like the craziest thing that would happen is anyone who crosses the border, I think Trudeau announced this a little while ago, anyone who crosses the border, they have to isolate for 14 days, which means that if any, 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 let's say Toronto is, is chosen as the hub city, that's where the playoffs are going to be this year. Uh, any, uh, any, any international players, any American players, you know, people coming over from Europe, anywhere, wherever they are, they would have to stay in a hotel and for 14 days and not do anything. And especially, and I know this is, you know, everyone should be like, suck it up. But during what is likely going to be the best weather we've had in a while in Toronto, I mean, Toronto is a phenomenal city in the summer and especially um, once in, in the spring when, when it starts to get nice. And I can't imagine, you know, how 750 players and possibly even their families hold up in every hotel in, in, you know, in, in Toronto, not being able to go outside. So it's just, we try and stay positive on this and we try and look at the most optimistic outline and, and solution for this, but there are just so many factors at play here that I, I don't think we can even really start to have these conversations until more things loosen up. I think you said it right off the top. I mean, until players are being told to come back, to get back into the mm-hmm. either their host cities or hub cities, uh, we're just sort of talking. Like there's nothing that's really happening yeah. because that's such a major step um, to get all these players uh, from where they are, which is, you know, all across Europe, everywhere, all across the United States and Canada, everywhere, uh, and from infected areas, from non-infected areas. Uh, it's going to take a significant lift. There are sports coming back, you know, this weekend. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a fight on this weekend. Uh, the German, back. German yeah. Bundesliga is coming back. So things are definitely happening, uh, but nothing's happening in the NHL until... Uh, players do start making their way back. And when they do, it'll be exciting, and surely the NHL will have to be ready. Uh, but we'll get more into that uh, in in later episodes because uh, we actually have some topics to discuss today. We do, but before we get to that, we have an opening question following up on our last podcast. Cuth, mm. how is the Peloton? It's actually not here. We could, oh, I come briefed on. You, I could have briefed you on that question before... Uh, uh we got days. into it but uh we can get into it as well no i mean it's supposed to be five weeks so what are we at we're may 7th i think i'm getting in two weeks time and i need it Whew. there's only so much running you yeah. can do for me it's just it, it gets to the point where i i can't do it very much longer uh, i can't do it every day and i'm not gonna stop going to the refrigerator so i definitely need something mm-hmm. in this house and and we talked about the last things that are gonna open gyms are definitely the last thing that's gonna open yeah, that is, the, are a germ that is the factory. That is the hardest thing. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. I I just can't see how they could how gyms, especially small gyms, ones that yep. can't you know, okay, they they have all these personal trainers who could bring people in one at a time, and you know, and you could go to the gym by appointment, which just sounds terrible. But I guess it's something that, uh, that sounds awful. But like, but like smaller gyms, private gyms, uh, ones that like really depend on you know their communities. Uh, I just don't see that happening anytime soon. To, so to have something that's going to be in the house and will only be infected by myself uh, is uh, a positive for me. The only and thing you guys, there. the only thing you guys are going to be infected with is the uh, the passion for the Peloton. You know, you're going to document it. I'm telling you, man, you got to document it in vlogs every day. Let let us know your journey. Um, make tell your wife not to look super scared when she when she does her selfie video of it, and also make sure that as they do in the commercial that when you are, are, are riding your bike and, and listening to music, that you're singing along super loud off-key. Because that, it, as the commercials have told me, that's what you're supposed to do. 
that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but what w- I'm not going to get the full experience because, like everything else in the world, they're not putting on live shows because it's true know, physical distancing and such. Jeez so, Louise. Uh, and I, I guess I, I assume that New York is where they are located. I'm not sure about or that. Or LA, but, maybe. But one of the yeah, two. one of the two. And either way, it's it's probably going to be a bit before they're up and running. But apparently, they have all these you know, live shows recorded into their database and you wouldn't be able to run out anytime soon. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, checkpoints, things to look forward to. Uh, One of them is that one of them is the change in slogan in Ontario and the fact Mm. that we're now being encouraged to go outside and not be completely confined to our homes. Safely. We are are getting there. We are getting there. Yes, exactly. And what's great is we have actual hockey, like not, not, you know, around the pandemic. We have actual hockey news. We can talk like it's you know normal life for a second here it's gonna be great felt like a bit of a normal week actually because i woke up to the news that the maple leafs were making news and the the news Mm -hmm. they made uh to start this week was signing miko letnin a Mm -hmm. finnish defenseman played for a finnish team that belonged to the khl in russia obviously um yokerit uh and honestly uh it, it it does bring some complications and we'll get into that. But the fact that this guy just decided he got his contract terminated on Friday and by the next business day, the Maple Leafs had signed him to a contract says something about their dealings uh, with European free agents. It's absolutely. And it's also really interesting because he, you know, he, he's, the he finished as a defenseman and KHL scoring is different because the ice is way bigger so like actual scoring totals tend to be down a bit you don't see a lot of point per game AHLers um it's kind of like when Jamie Ben won the Art Ross with like 83 points a couple years ago like that's kind of what their league is like offensively Miko uh Miko Lettinen this guy is uh, a defenseman and he finished 6 overall in KHL scoring this year 49 points in 60 games as a defenseman this that's that's crazy and another thing too is that he was like the Leafs weren't even mentioned initially in in when his name no. was thrown onto the market. I mean, it was and it seemed like why would they? Like, uh, you know, there, first of all, there's a huge logjam of left hand defensemen that we'll get into on the Leafs already. And two, I mean, this guy he probably could have gotten. I feel like he probably could have gotten better offers, like or, or, or you know, if he wanted multi years or more money or something from like the Devils were were interest uh, were thrown in there. I think the Habs were thrown in there as well. At least their fans are really annoyed that they didn't get this guy and so the Leafs come out of nowhere and boom they sign him to a one-year 925 you know million dollar contract or 925 million 925,000 925 mm-hmm. million would be pretty wild um uh and uh, just kind of blindsided us all we had no idea that this was gonna this was gonna happen so it's really really interesting to see because there's ripple effects to this like his him coming here is going to kind of disrupt the perceived status quo of whatever we kind of think the Leafs are doing right now. So what, so what does it tell you? I'll let you sort of uh, build off that conversation. Uh, The fact that he entered this log jam was a player who had, would have had tons of opportunity from other teams who would play him or be able to play him in a maybe more featured role. What does it tell you about the fact that the, that he decided to go to the Leafs and what the Leafs are planning uh, for next season? It, 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 Okay, so it's it's interesting because he has said or Lightning has said in uh, in the conference call with uh, you know the Zoom call I guess that they had with with Leafs media uh, that he's played the right side. He plays the right side a lot. So uh, potentially that could mean that he does play on the right side with the Leafs, and that sort of doesn't really impact the logjam they have on the left because right now the Leafs have Riley Muzzin, Dermot Sandin, 
and Marincin and Rosen as well. Uh, no, Rosen's coming up. So in terms of like contracts they have on the books for next year, they have uh, Riley, Muzzin, Dermot's and RFA. So we'll figure out, but his rights will still be with the Leafs. Sandin and Marincin all re- like already locked up on the left side. But this me like this is the this is the, uh, people have said that this is the best defenseman playing outside of the NHL right now. People have said this that Miko Lettinen is you know this guy scored forty nine point almost almost a point a game as a defenseman in a league where offense comes pretty difficult and you know he's he seems to be kind of the prototypical you know offensive defenseman and and a guy who was incredibly highly sought after. So for him to come to a team that. A is not giving him a ton of money and not a ton of like term. And I'm not sure if he would be even looking for term at this point, but still, and B has all these players who theoretically play the same position as him already locked in. It means that a someone on the Leafs who is already there is, is and, and in the top six even is expendable, or they maybe don't feel that, that he's ready. And two, that he is going to play NHL minutes. Like there's no way that this guy signs uh, like, Timu Kivahame, we never, for example, never heard of, of, of him really. And he came in and now he's, and he was with the Marlies, couldn't crack the lineup. This makes me think that no one's going to promise you a roster spot, but there is the expectation of him coming in here that he will be playing on the Leafs next season. And that is really interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a hundred percent chance that he's playing. I don't think he, this is a guy who basically brought his leverage to the highest possible point uh, before making this leap to the NHL. Uh, and he's not going to go without any insurances, assurances rather that he's going to be uh, definitely in the lineup. So uh, I, I think he's playing, whether it's on the left or right side, I think that's to be determined. But to me, that means this is the guy they were bringing in. In the absence of any other trade, like we've talked about, okay, they, they really need a guy to come in and uh, obviously eat up minutes from the departing Barry, the departing CeCe, uh, but also that void on the right side. It doesn't mean that it necessarily mean that he will play on the right side, but he is the guy I believe that's coming in unless they have another deal in the works. So if he is, if he is exclusively a left shot guy, like that's where he's going to play, then obviously there's problems and something has to change uh, with regard to a trade. If he can play the right side, I think you could kind of go in status quo. You probably have to add another uh, veteran defenseman on the right side just to fill in uh, and, and just to be that body. But it also sets them up if they really, really want to improve their defense, if they if they still need that prototypical right shot guy who's going to play on the first pair, I think it requires another move. And the first guy that everyone started talking about was Travis Dermott, of course. And we've talked mm-hmm. about the possibility of a trade with Dermott uh, on this show already. Many I think times. This, I think this makes it more likely. Uh, I don't necessarily mean that it, it, it has to happen. Uh, but if the, this... It wasn't that they went out and signed Lettinen and now they have to make a deal. I think they might have went out and signed Lettinen because they were preparing to do something and they know they can slide him in pretty much anywhere in the bottom, either the bottom pairing or possibly as high as four. Uh, and now that they have that guy, they don't. that was the guy they were going to have to go get anyway on the open market just as someone that could fill in. So I definitely think that it... It, it, it puts the spotlight on Dermot a little bit, uh, but there's also a possibility that this is the only move they make of real significance uh, and that they go into the season just trying to work out, uh, just trying to move the pieces around that that sort of works in uh, just because of the fact that they are so cap strapped and they might not have all those opportunities. But it really shines the light on Dermot, who, who if anyone, is the one that's uh, made expendable by this move. Absolutely. But it also so like there's a couple, I guess, ways of of looking at this, too, is is a are the Leafs just dedicated to playing all six of their best players 
at the same time, you know, are all six of their best defensemen at the same time, regardless of handedness? Or is it that, I mean, does this hint towards that they have something in the works? Like that's something that that was one of the first things that that that's kind of leapt out to me and not even just like a Dermot trade, but I mean like you're getting another like left-handed defenseman guy. Justin Hall is the only right-handed defenseman the Leafs have signed for next season. Justin Hall's great, but he's not, I think we've proven now that he's not a staple 82 games per year top four guy. He's best used maybe a five um, and a penalty killer and whatnot. Do the Leafs either have an idea of what they like? Does does signing Letton and getting him in here, if he can play the right side or if he can play the left, does that kind? Do they have an idea of who they can get or someone who or, or something's in the works? Like I, I just feel like the, this is one move that precipitates another. I feel like this is something that this is like a domino that has fallen, and now another one is gonna is gonna cause another one to fall eventually. But like what that is, I honestly don't know. It could be the it could be the Dermot. Uh, trade, but then again, like Dubis is always is someone who, you know, really talks about asset management, and you know, I'll, if they believe that Lettinen is definitively better than Dermot and will be definitively better than Dermot, then fine. Then you then then you know that swap is is okay. But Dermot's value is at its all time low right now. He was playing his worst hockey before the season end, uh, before the season you know got postponed. Why would you trade? Does logjam whatever? Why would you trade that guy now? Especially if next season they play eighty-two games, which will like like they, the NHL wants to play eighty-two games, and which will likely mean that the schedule, regardless of if they go into July or June or whatever, will be condensed a bit. Why wouldn't you want to have you know five, four or five capable NHL caliber, maybe even above average left-hand defensemen just waiting for you in case you know you have to play two back-to-backs in a week or even a three and three or something. There's just so many moving pieces here. And I just wonder if there's something else in the works here because it doesn't seem like this is a move where they went, great, we have Letton in and now we're set. I feel like it's there's something else coming. No, they're definitely not set. I mean, let's break it down here. We got Morgan Riley, top left D. Uh, You got top right D. I guess it's Justin Hall right now. I By mean, there's default. No, there's no one else, right? So that's uh, we're going to say that's an empty spot right now. Yeah. Uh, second pair, Jake Buzzin locked in another premium asset in a, in a, in a great position there. Uh, then you have Justin Hall to his right side. Do you want to uh, put him on the second pairing though? We, we are probably, uh, we're pushing it a little bit with that. Okay. Yeah. So, so right now we have, we, you know, two ideal spots, uh, two pretty much empty spots. Uh, mm. Then you're going down to Rasmus Sandin, I, I assume as your third guy on the left side and Miko Lettinen's on your right side. Now you have your extra, which is Dermot. So right now you don't have you don't really have anyone to fill any of the right spots in the ideal manner. I mean, Miko Lettinen, sure, he says he can play the right side. He might be able to play the right side. He might not even be able to play the league. So we don't really know that yet. Uh, yeah. So none of these right sides are complete. And then you have that extra piece. So uh, while it does make sense that, okay, you trade from a area of strength to try and fill a weakness, you're right. From an asset managed standpoint, if you were going to optimize what you're doing with your assets, you're not trading a guy at its lowest value. You're signing a guy at its lowest value Mm -hmm. because you believe he's a better player than he he showed uh, this past season. So uh, that asks a lot of questions. Sure, maybe Travis Dermott could all of a sudden form a great pairing with Morgan Riley and they can be that top pair that... That, uh, you know, does the job for the Maple Leafs. I'm not going to say they're going to be an elite pair, but maybe they can get the job done. And, and this is a team that's going to be built on offense. And, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, but right now, that's just you're you're hoping for that. That's not a plan. 
That is, mm. you are putting your hands together and just begging that it works. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. But uh, right now, that right side, uh, you're 0 for 3. The left side, you're looking great, but you're 0 for 3 on the right side. And I, and I wonder what that means and what sort of concessions the Maple Leafs will have to make uh, to make that all work. And look what happened this season when the Leafs kind of went in hoping that these plan- that you know these certain defensive projects would work. What happened this season when the Leafs went in hoping that Cody Ceci would be okay, you know, in a top four role? Uh, you know, now that he's playing on a, on a better team and not playing as as many minutes, you know, uh, that Dermot would come back and and hoping that Dermot would come back and be healthy and be fine. But as well, like. So yes, he's played the right side before, and that's great. But that still is his offside. That's still like handedness matters. I don't think as much as people say it does. It is shouldn't be given the weight of like, well, you know, if you have a if you if you have a really great you know left handed defenseman and like an okay right hand defenseman, some people will be like, well, you gotta take the right handed guy. No, but there will be a transition here for him. This is, he's never played in, in, on North American ice for a full season. Uh, he's never played on a North American pro team this first time. And are we going to have, are, are the Leafs comfortable? And again, this comes down to the question marks and the going into the season, hoping that he can do this. Are they comfortable throwing this guy potentially into a top four role in his, it, adjust, while adjusting to North American ice, playing his offside? I just, those are, they're so, they're like three asterisks on that one sentence right there. And I don't, and I think that for a team whose contention window is maybe open its its largest next season. I mean, I know we said it was this season, but I mean, next season is, is when essentially like, you know, Frederick Anderson's contracts can be up and everything. It's a very important season for them in the 2021-22 or 2020-2021 season. Mm-hmm. Um, are they comfortable having a guy who, yes, ripped up the KHL, but Nikita Zaitsev did pretty well in the KHL, and look what happened there. Are they comfortable having a guy adjust North American ice, you know, in a top six role, playing his offside on a team that's supposed to contend? I personally, and I'm not Kyle Dubas, and there's a reason why I'm in my parents, you know, dining room uh, doing a podcast opposed to running the Leafs, but I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, this reminded me of the Mike Babcock quote after the Jake Muzzin uh, acquisition. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. I mean, I, I, the first thing I thought of it was him because he's he's got to be thinking, I mean, I tried to tell you. Like, Jake Muzzin, great, obviously. Uh, he, they made it work. I mean, he is the right guy for that position. Uh, he's an elite asset at the, the position he plays, which is, uh, you know, that second pairing on the left side. Uh, but they don't seem to be too worried about the handedness. They just think they're going to make it work. They might make it work. Uh, but it just doesn't seem to be optimized the way it should, uh, and even less so than we thought before, I guess. But you can see it on the other side of it. I mean, yeah, they went out and, okay, we need to get a right shot guy. You went and got Tyson Berry. That didn't work. You thought you could, you know, reform Cody Cece. That didn't work. He was a right shot guy. Like, it's not that easy. So go out and get talented players. Going out and get talented players is always a good thing. And they went out and did that this week with Miko Lettinen, who who was coveted across the league, uh, and the Maple Leafs managed to get him. Uh, you mentioned his scoring. He had 29 more points than the other guy the Maple Leafs got from the KHL over the summer, Alexander Barabanov. He only scored 20 points uh, last year. So it, it's, uh, it's interesting how it's sort of skewed, uh, how much more difficult it is to put up points in the KHL, and how impressive it, it is that Miko yeah. Lettinen put up 49 points in the KHL last season. It is a bit of an outlier year, but this is a talented guy. You added him to your organization. That is a good thing, uh, but it might just mean that you have to do something else in order to make this all work. 
I was looking up Miko Miko Lettinen tape, you know, clips or whatever, and the first thing that came up on YouTube, the title, because it was it was in um it was in a different language, like I'm assuming it was in Finnish, uh, and it said Miko Lettinen something something Bobby Orr, and and I'm pretty sure that it I'm pretty sure the highlight tape of Miko Lettinen that I, the first SEO whatever the first image the search that came up on YouTube. The tape, the tape was called is highlights for the season. Miko Lettinen and I'm assuming finish Bobby Orr. Like that's it, this. It is ridiculous his production from last year. It might be it's it's a one off because it was his first year, you know, in the actual KHL. That's fine, but it, just 49 points in 60 games in a league where you know the league leaders score a bit over a point per game is nuts. And the Leafs just added this guy un, for a year under a million dollars. Um, at this point, you know, if he can play in the league, it doesn't matter, you know, what side he plays. You just got a fantastic defenseman who can help you. The only thing, the only kind of question mark I have here is that he, and it's not necessarily a question mark because you don't have to be big to be tough and everything, but he, he's, he's not, you know, the, the defensive staple, I guess they needed on that back end. Like he's not the guy, you know, he's not the lockdown guy that they needed. And he's also six feet, one ninety five, So he's not overly physical. Does that pose any, any kind of, uh, you know, red, red flags for you that he might just be kind of like a Tyson Berry. Cause that he's, he's compared to that. He, his shot production is nuts from the point. Are you worried that it might be a Tyson Berry situation? Maybe. Uh, I, I wouldn't know enough, uh, about him. I, uh, surprised uh you might be surprised to hear that i didn't catch any joker at games last year um so i don't How- exactly know what the limitations might be in his game but i i also wouldn't look at his size and just assume that i think tyson berry is is sort of u- unique in his ability to sort of be uh extremely one-dimensional and error prone <laughs> in some uh in many capacities i'll say uh but i am worried about the fact that okay he put up a ton of points on the power play right like Will he play on the power play with the Maple Leafs? Obviously, Morgan Riley is going to slot back into the the number one quarterback role, uh, and I kind of like Rasmus Sandin in, in the role as the number two guy on the on the on the point on the power play. Uh, I think he showed that he could be almost more effective than uh, Tyson Berry in many ways of just getting the puck through and just making smart, simple plays to help facilitate that unit. So while he put up a lot of points. Uh, it was dependent on the power play, and I don't think he's going to have that opportunity as much th- next year. And that's something we saw with the Ma- like that bit the Maple Leafs in the ass last year because they didn't have enough power play time to go around. They didn't have enough power play time to get the most bo- the the most out of Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry. And I'm I'm not sure this is the same thing, but maybe they still haven't learned from that. Maybe I mean it's. I think that this clearly is that Dubas has his ideal version of what a defenseman should be or not should be but what he wants a defenseman should be uh, to be and it's this you know it's it's an offense first kind of guy pure skill able to create you know chances and points and production and whatever you want to say and as long as long as he's not a liability because the Leafs are skilled enough up front and Dubas has doubled down many many times on this but as long as as long as he's not a liability in the way that that Barry was he's not literally like the sole root cause of goals that are being scored on the team, then that's fine. He doesn't have to be, you know, uh, Darius Kasparitis or whoever, you know, the, the or Darian Hatcher, guys like who, who are just, you know, huge, you know, hulks of, of, of players who can lock guys down. I'm just, this is another step into the, into the direction of, you know, Dubas has his ideal version of a hockey team and this is what it's going to be. We'll leave the Lettinen discussion at this. Where yes. does he uh, where does he slot on opening night, and who's his playing partner? 
I, you know what, man? I, I have, I, I feel like he's going to be on the left side. He's got to be right. Like he, like I don't think they would just throw him into the into the ocean, you know, here or throw him into the deep end on his offside. It just doesn't make sense. So I would have to, th- I would think that Dermot, if he's still on the team, would shift to the right. Um, I think his, I think his defense partner is going to be. I mean, Justin Hall, it's got to be, he's the only right-hand defenseman on the roster right now. And I think that they'll try, they'll probably try and bring in a, a, you know, a guy who can play with Morgan Riley on the right side. So if, if, you know, uh, Lettinen does go, you know, in pairing two or the second pairing, then you'd have to think you'd be Justin Hall. So that would require either Dermot or Sandine to shift over and one of those guys to not be in the opening night lineup. I don't think if my math is correct. My mental math. I, I guess so. I mean, it... it and that's, just, that's just an example of, hey, this isn't an easy... You know, it's not as easy as plug and play. There's going to there's gonna have to be make a change. There's going to have to make a transition somewhere. Uh, it's not as simple as putting him in the lineup. I think ultimately uh, just sort of, you know, a low risk... Uh, assumption here would that would be that he plays on the right side with Rasmus Sandin and Travis Dermott moves up to the right side and that's and that's just how they experiment with it. I think that's probably if you if everything was as is that's how it's going to be. Uh, but I don't think everything's going to be as it is. I think they have to do something and I think uh, we're going to see a big move this summer. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, it just there's so many and it also goes goes to show like no one's no one's role in outside of maybe Muzzin and, and Riley is set in stone. I mean, no one is no one can enter like Travis Dermott, if he is still on the team, cannot enter training camp next year going. I, I like I'm going to make this team like he, he there his spots on the line and same with Sandin. Marinchin, if he's still around, I mean, this has definitely got a. He's going to find a way to stick around. This guy's freaking Teflon. You cannot get rid of him. Nothing. It's crazy. Um, but like, he's, my, he's my number eight forever. Exactly. But forever it's just, you know, this is this. It's it's crazy. There's just so many players, and there. It's never. I'd much rather have the problem of having too many good players than not enough good players. And right now, the Leafs, at least on the left side, have too many good players, and we'll kind of see where the dominoes fall in that regard. I wonder if the Jake Muzzin to the right side experiment ever is is tried again, if that ever gets another test run. Probably not, but you know what? They have to sort of consider everything right now uh, unless they just have it all planned out and we're just going to wait for all that information once we know exactly when the offseason is, uh, is going to come and if it's right now because uh, we don't we don't know what's going to happen with the season obviously uh but let's move on to topic number two for today which is the leafs all-time team as presented by tsn this week i believe it was this week uh it might have been a monday thing as well um lots of controversy lots of debate exactly what they were aiming for uh by putting this team together when no other news was going on they certainly uh, provided radio fodder and online fodder uh, for you know at least the entire week because they were there were some glaring omissions on this list. The big ones, obviously, Doug Gilmore and Daryl Sittler. Uh, but w- where should we start with this? I don't think we need to go through the goaltenders. We probably don't need to go through the defense. We probably don't even have to go through any of the lines other than who they chose at center because that's where uh, they left off those you know franchise greats we're talking about people that are in legends row i mean gilmore and sittler are both retired uh numbers by the maple leaf so these are all-time great players that they didn't have on their all-time team uh but the reason why both of them aren't on that is because austin matthews is the one player chosen from the current roster which was a 
necessity with uh, when putting this together for TSN. And I be- believe Steve Dryden is who uh, was at the uh, reins for all this. Uh, so he called it automatic that Austin Matthews had to be there. I don't know if that's just his rule that Austin Matthews had to be there. Uh, but if I would pick one player from the current Leafs to, to optimize this all-time roster, I would have left Austin Matthews off the list. Who would you put? I'd put Morgan Riley on there because you can't... Over Austin Matthews? I'm I just just because you need to put the puzzle pieces in the right situation. Like I'm I'm not choosing Morgan Riley over Austin Matthews. I'm choosing Daryl Sittler and Doug Gilmore over Austin Matthews. And to do that, I need another really fantastic player who who is going to be on this list one day, in my opinion. In Morgan Riley, I'm putting him on now because that's the only way to get Doug Gilmore and Daryl Sittler on who need to be on this list. It's it's insane that they weren't chosen for this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Here's the thing about this. This is the worst list I have ever seen. This is I the decision, and I'm I've never met who who did you say was at the forefront of making this? Steve Dryden. He's he's like uh he is the hockey He's the hockey guy there. He basically, uh, like any programming, uh, whether it's radio, television, broadcast, he's sort of the guy that all the talent is working with to create content. Cool. And how old is, is he, do you think? He would be a little older, for sure. Yeah, that uh, makes a lot I, of sense. I would, I would assume he's in his 60s. I don't so that, know that for sure. That makes a lot of sense because we're all nostalgic for players that we saw in our, ch- in our you know, our, our youth, our yesteryear. Uh, I, I, in what world, okay, there are a couple of things. I, I this seeing this list just boggled my mind because okay, give, give me give me your top three grievances. I, who is Busher Jackson? That's what I want to know. He's on the top line. I've never I, I I'm I've been a I I've watched the Leafs my entire life. I'm 24 years old. If we did this in my childhood bedroom, you see it's painted their colors and all that. It's crazy. I have never, I've read books about the Leafs in, his, in you know, history books. I, I've basically studied them like a, like a university class, but 24-7. I have never in my entire life heard of Busher Jackson. <laughs> he is, he, 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 he's not real. And the thing, and a number, another one is in these lists, 
there I think that we should just unless it's a Babe Ruth situation or a Ty Cobb situation, we should not include anyone who played before at least at the very least before World War II. The game is different. Goalies fell, fall down now. You know, this to to exclude like I would say I would say that there are three there maybe outside of Morgan Riley because I think the Leafs have some good defensemen that they could put above him but there are three Leafs on the current team right now that should be on this list of all time and it's Austin Matthews Mitch Marner and John Tavares and I know that I know that you know Tavares has only played one and a half really seasons with the Leafs but the guys the guy scored 47 goals last year he was you know he's a foundational guy Austin Matthews is the best goal maybe the best pure goal scorer in the entire league and Mitch Marner put up like 90 points in his second season and is on his way to becoming you know if he can sustain that one of the top point getters in 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 franchise history are you telling me that busher jackson and charlie conacher i know they said foundational player under here i'm we're looking at the at the picture right now they left off ted kennedy even though he's a foundational player like what what is going on here who is red horner who is like okay but it goes by position here i know but it's just this is this is clearly this is the opposite of recency bias this is you know this. This is this is uh, nostalgia. This is na- this is looking back and thinking, oh, those Leafs teams, they were so much better. They're, hence, their players should be better. No, like the Leafs have three, if not four, of the best players in the NHL right now who have the statistical. I would even like venture to say that you know, like Phil Kessel could take a shot at, at being on this list. Maybe even in in like you know the on the fifth line or something. Like it's in, this is this is insane. This this well, list is insane. I think Phil has a better case than both Tavares and Marner, to be honest. You think so? You, you yeah. Mar- Marner... Well, we, we got to talk about sort of... I mean, there's got to be at least uh, a, a little bit of a resume that ex- extends more That's than true. one and a half years. That's true. Uh, with John Tavares, I mean, there's no chance. If Doug Gilmore and Daryl Sittler aren't on it, you can't have... John and Tavares that's and that's insane too because I see I, I have a feeling that they they qualified you know uh, D- at least Doug Gilmore and and even Daryl Sittler not be on this list by saying well they didn't play you know their whole years with their whole careers with the Leafs or they succeeded elsewhere as well Doug Gilmore had his best seasons as a Leaf he he won the Selkie and scored 127 points in a season and Daryl Sittler was a foundational superstar captain who scored 10 points in one game at, D- at a point D- Doug Gilmore had the best two seasons in Maple Leaf history. Having having Lanny McDonald on this list and not Daryl okay, Sittler he's, he's is a right is, winger. He's a right winger. I don't care. You you find a way to make it work. <laughs> then you leave off like then you leave off guys who played before. Everyone. But they couldn't. They couldn't look at the list. No, but then you I leave mean, off. You, you leave, leave off, off guys. Sill apps. You yes, can leave you off can... Sill apps. But then you're putting Doug Gilmore in. You're still leaving off Daryl Sittler. You can leave. You can leave off guys who weren't even around when horses and buggies had gone away. Like this is ins- this, It's just insanity. It's insanity. Like it doesn't matter. Or you. Or you. You create. A, you know, like an ex- the extras category, like the scratches or whatever. Like every. Like you know, and and put them in there. I don't know. I don't care. But but Busher Jackson should not be on this. There's. I never thought in my life that I would see a Leafs all-time team list where Doug Gilmore and Daryl Sittler weren't on it, but Busher Jackson was on it. Name name a left winger better than Busher Jackson. <laughs> you can't. You, you can't. can't. You can't. So if it was just 12 forwards, I mean, yeah, well, Busher Jackson would still be on it because what 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 does Stanley Cup mean? What does the Stanley Cup mean to you, I guess, then? Because exactly. there is a, you, you mentioned recency bias or the opposite of recency bias. I mean, there's an inherent advantage uh, to the players that played 
you know, before World War II because there was only six teams in the league that they could win these Stanley Cups pretty routinely. Right now, winning a Stanley Cup in this era would trump anything that happened in these previous eras, just in my opinion, because it was it is so much more difficult. The, the league is so much more competitive. Uh, the players are so much better. Like, the, the, it has changed so much that it's, it is so hard to compare these eras. But if you're looking at a guy who's won multiple Stanley Cups, uh, you probably have to take him over a player that's played, that's extremely talented player, but he's only been here for one and a half years, or in that's Martyr's true. case, three and a half years, or whatever it may be. Uh, so, like, I understand that. But I think... It, it, it sort of it says a couple things. I mean, that left side is pretty weak. That center ice position is very strong, and it's the the fact that we're leaving off two fa- franchise greats is illustrative of that. But everywhere else, it's I mean, the, like the defense is not very good. I'm not I'm not up on Alan Stanley uh, historical notes. Uh, Bob Bond, he did score he sc- scored the cup winning goal, I believe, in '67. Uh, but I don't think he was like that tremendous of a player. Uh, it, it's it's interesting that despite all this history that the Maple Leafs have, their talent is really centralized around one position because Mm -hmm. uh, it is sort of, it's, it's a little underwhelming, frankly. Well, yeah, like this has always been the thing with the Leafs is that they've been around for a hundred years and they've never had the definitive best player in the game. And you could, you could say most, you could say pretty much every original six team at one point or the other had the best player in the NHL, except the Leafs. And as well, like if we're talking about eras, I know Rick Vive had you know has set the set the you know he scored fifty goals as a Leaf or whatever, but he played during an era in the eighties where a offense was crazy and b the Leafs were awful at that time, and so uh, it just even like Charlie Conacher, the guy played in in the twenties like this, uh, it, even okay and e- even as to nitpick, Turk Broda before Johnny Bauer, like flip that Johnny Bauer is a legend. Johnny Bauer is is the best. Uh, I know it's it's a different position, but uh, and in a different era. But if you really look at it, Johnny Bauer, is like the best. Uh, he's you know he's the best goaltender in, in Leafs history, I think. And and if I just looked up Busher Jackson's numbers, by the way, his real name's Harvey, and I don't want to no disrespect to Busher Jackson or his family. Like he had he had a great career. He scored you know over a point per game a lot. He was fantastic. Um, but it was like you know forty four points in forty games. You know uh, thirty eight points in thirty eight games, stuff like that. And then he eventually you know left after I think it was like seven or eight years at the Leafs and that's great but then you have like you already have guys like and I know that it's you know tenure it factors into this but you have guys like Mitch Marner who scored who you know who scored well over a point per game he's almost scored 100 points last year as a 21 year old and it's like I just I just don't get especially I don't get putting him on the first line like this Sorry, my mind is just racing here. This this has really, really, uh, you know, scrambled my eggs today. It's just insane. Uh, I think he was kept on the first line to pair with Charlie Conacher because weren't they? Weren't they? Uh... I don't know. It happened before every. <laughs> every it happened before cars were the you know the primary mode of transport. I, I believe they were a, uh, a a tandem, a duo. Cool, man. I don't like. Did they join the Kraut line? Like it's. I don't know. It's crazy. Okay, so let's. I mean, we could just we could go around in circles. We on could this, do a whole I, podcast I wanna, about this. I want to know who your four centers are, because four I centers? think I think that's where the honestly I think that's where most of the debate is. I, I like we could get into whether Mitch Marner belongs on this. Uh, I I 
probably wouldn't put him on there. I don't think he's accomplished enough to say that just yet, uh, just because those guys on the right-hand side have accomplished a lot in their Maple Leafs careers. I believe Martyr's on that trajectory. But I think where the, the debate is really centered around is the center ice position. So let's leave it at your top five, top four centers in Maple Leafs history, uh, and then we'll move on to the uh, the next topic. So I would go Doug Gilmore, okay. Daryl Sittler, Matt Sundin, Austin Matthews, Dave Keon in the sort of like fifth spot. Because in my list, because every team has scratches, and if we're doing an all-time team, you got to include the scratches, he's there. That's my, like you Austin. Che- you cheated already. I did, but you know what? It's called, I didn't cheat. It's called a loophole. It's fine. But it, it's, Dave Keon's, Dave Keon's supposed to be the greatest player in Leafs history. The greatest Leaf ever, right? Dave Keon? Really? Is he? Like I... Uh, maybe I'm just too young to have heard like the legend because I know I know that he's a legend. I know it's fantastic and and he's one of the best players in franchise history. But I, I maybe I'm not up to date on him being the best player in franchise it, it, history. It, it was so rigid too. It was supposed to go by type of player. Like this is supposed to be a, a fourth line checking center. Dave Keon wasn't like a fourth line checking. Not like it doesn't have to be a check a uh, fourth line, but like a guy who was like a dominant two way force. Uh, I don't know. I, it might be stretching the, the the definition a little bit for Keon, but otherwise they were very rigid with this, and that's why they have such uh, crazy debate because he he was confined to these rules and he really stuck to them. Uh, but I'll go with Sundin, Gilmore, Sittler, uh, Keon, and then I'd put Apps in the foundational player. I don't know if I know enough about Teeter Kennedy to really uh, appreciate it. Um, you're enough. leaving off Austin Matthews, but like I'm a leading, guy. I'm leading off Austin Matthews, the yeah. best goal scorer in Leafs history already. I mean, he doesn't have Rick Vives' le- record yet, but I, I again, oh no, he, he's gonna get there. He is gonna get there. If the world I can't, didn't I shut can't down, him, I just can't put him over Sundin and Matthews or Keon yet. If the world didn't or shut Gilmore. down, Sorry, he would have. Bl- if the world didn't shut down, Matthews would have blown Rick Vives' record out of the water. I think it's isn't it Dave Andrzejczyk mm. who has the record. No, is it Rick Five has it. Fifty-five. It would have been actually tough for him to get fifty-five. Like it would have been close. I don't know, man. Uh, he was at what forty-seven with like thirteen games left. I think there's tw- uh, I think there's eleven games left, and I think he seven and eleven, and he was all he was riding like a goal streak at that point. Like I think that he could have absolutely. He would have got. He that. needed eight to tie, and he would have, or he had got to forty-eight. Seven to tie, he would have. He need eight to pass it in eleven games. I mean, that that's not a layup. As a, I know as it's not a layup, but I th- I think that he so blown he out of water. Might, he could have got it for sure. Yeah, and I also think that you know he he's already as a rookie he already beat the Leafs you know rookie goal record on a guy who's on this list on the third line for some reason. Like I would even venture to say I know it's I know we're doing left wing so it's fine, but like Wendell in my opinion is the most overrated player in Leafs history, and I would be like I could if if you're factoring in re, like you know recency bias into this, I could see a, a you know a universe where he's not on the list at all. But um yeah, it, oh, this, that that would have infuriated. Me. Oh, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> like you you're like your uncle would have kicked down your front oh, door. Man. It would have been crazy. Over. It would have been it would have been ugly. Yeah, there would have been a lot of uh, like, you know, fists through drywall in uh in Mississauga and like, you know, Brampton and all that after hearing all this. Mm-hmm. Be crazy. Um we could we could yell about this forever, but we should probably uh switch over to our topic yeah, du jour. I just can't believe Doug Gilmore wasn't on the Leafs on the it's, list. It's just it's crazy. It's a crime. It's a crime. It's a li- it's like crazy. that is that should be punishable. There should be a fine in, induced in that. It's it's insane. Okay, as as we uh, as you teed up, topic three is the NHL draft, which the NHL is pushing to have, uh, you know, maybe within the next month. Certainly in June is when they want to have it, and they are trying to sell 
the league's executives, owners, general managers on the idea. Uh, I don't really know if they're having any success doing that. There might be some people, some teams that are open to it, but it's predictably the teams that don't really have anything to lose. Predictably, it's the teams that don't even want to play again this year because they certainly don't have anything to play for. Uh, let's just, I guess, just cover the basic idea of it. Are you in favor of a June draft? No. What? I don't I, I under here's what I think is 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 happening here. The NHL saw that 55 million people watched the NFL draft and they thought, oh boy, we can capitalize on this and 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 essentially t- rake in all the money that they did. And so um it's it just it doesn't make sense to me. Like t- this this throws off every team's kind of I know that the the pandemic's already done that, but this throws off kind of like every team's it, it just made sense. The draft having having the Stanley Cup awarded and then free agency and then the draft it made that that was a chain of events that made sense because you 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 determine what the what the hierarchy of the league is then free agency happens or then the draft happens and you and you're able to uh, bring people or draft and bring young players in and kind of address some needs and, and build your organizational structure and then free agency happens and you're able to supplement your active NHL roster with pieces to to contend that season while already knowing what kind of needs and and, and you know what kind of future uh pieces you have coming up in the pipeline and doing the draft before even the playoffs begin before even the regular season theoretically ends it just it just screams of we need to get something out there we need to capitalize on the the meat you know the sports starved uh public and it just we need, we need some money and we need some money and we look some money we I'm, I'm sure they do and i would be in and you know there's there's a there's a part of me that wants, you know, our, our employment is is dependent upon the NHL. And so I would like them to make some money and it would be great. But um, in terms of what it's what's best for the operations of the league from a, from an on ice and I guess, you know, team boardroom standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense. It feels like they're just scrambling right now. It feels like this is just like a Hail Mary and they're having to really like put the sell job on teams to convince them to do this. A little pushback, or I guess just devil's advocate, would be, yes, it's not ideal to have it right now, but is it ideal to have it, you know, rushed in October between a small window between, you know, the cup being awarded and uh, the start of the next season? Because it's possible that there is, like, really negligible time between the end of this season and the start of the next season. Uh, It looks like they're open to the idea of pushing that back all the way to December, uh, but to rush this and have it happen in concert when junior leagues are trying to get going again and they're trying to see what what's going on exactly with their rosters and so on and so forth, I feel like for, to help junior hockey, it could be it could it, it would be better for them to do it as soon as possible so that they can make preparations and that things aren't completely thrown out of whack. Uh, come the restart of all hockey leagues. Uh, but that's just a minor thing. But I think that is something that the NHL is trying to push. I think the main thing is money. The second thing or the more logical thing or the thing that, you know, uh, helps them with their, you know, their schedule and their timeline is the fact that it is not ideal to have that draft just done uh, whipped up, done in haste and done at a time where it, it doesn't really make sense on the NHL calendar. Yeah, it just... Like, it, like it, you said it, it doesn't make sense. And from my perspective, like this just doesn't, it, it doesn't, it, it's, it's all just about money. It's all about revenue. And I know that's what makes the league, what makes the league work and that's fine. But like, there's a reason why these, why this is the order of things. And especially like there's so many, uh, the proposed plan includes using points percentage to determine or- the order of selection. 
Um, and then your which is fine. teams are limited, at least from... Which is fine. I think that they should do that anyway. I think that points percentage is great because you could have a team, you know, go one, uh, one, one, and eighty, and still finish with you know eighty-two points and potentially get a decent pick or a, you know a, potentially get a pick that's you know in, in the middle of the first round. I'd rather do points percentage because it's a more accurate you know example of how good your team is. Um, and then they've limited any move ups to a maximum of four spots, um, stuff like that. And then there's also okay the, that the, that the lot changing that, the that lottery. Is the wor- that is the worst thing in my eyes. Yeah, it, it ruins Sorry, it, the the dra- the draft is an entertainment product, and limiting move ups to four spots ruins the entertainment product of that. It completely. But why? It. Why? Why? What is the what is the point? Because the team could could trade. You know, the team could package a superstar and trade up into you know in the first overall pick or the third. Like you, you've completely no, taken but, off the board. But why is the NHL decided that you can only move up four spots? It's I don't know, man. What, what that's supposed to be? What's fair? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write down. Sorry, my dogs going a little bit crazy <laughs> i'm saying bring uh, her on ask but, her what her opinion is <laughs> it's a he'll get mad it's a boy he'll get oh it's mad. a boy sorry sorry yeah, uh, very sensitive about that he'll start barking again oh, uh he's I'm, a big he's Elliot a big Freeman. anti-june graph oh he's, he's a, he's a big an, there's, there's anti-june draft yeah no coincidence that he got a little upset at that point but i'm gonna give you because mm-hmm. elliot friedman had a report about this this week mm-hmm. uh and he basically jotted down i guess all the important notes uh, in which the league was trying to sell on it being fair. So uh, we mentioned the problem of c- conditional trades before. The league would have solutions. Uh, it would either have it would either present what it believed was the right solution or allow teams to work out the details on their own. I guess that's fine. Uh, then you mentioned the points percentage that determines the order, but it would only allow teams to move up four spots. The lottery format would be would be different. If you won the lottery and you weren't one of the top four teams, then you wouldn't be able to pick first overall. So that gives Det- the Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators a huge advantage. It gives the Detroit Red Wings what was a 20% chance into something that's closer to 60, which mm-hmm. I don't get is fair at all. But the reason behind that is because they are worried about a team winning the lottery and winning the Stanley Cup. First of all, that would be amazing if that happened. But I, I, it would, I it would what, be awful. I I think it would be it would be an amazing story. But there's an easy a- amazing way to story. This. Yeah, what is it? Well, well, if a team that if a team that came in you know like 17th or 18th won on a Stanley Cup run, it would be amazing. And then they get Lafreniere the next year. It would be absolutely amazing and be fun to cover and talk about. But there's an easy way to stop this. What you is just the easy det- way? You just determine the playoff format now. If you're going to come back mm-hmm. this season. You decide whether you're going to do 24 or 16. Once you've determined that, you let all the other teams in the lottery, whether it's you know the 15 normal teams that are in it, or if you go down to eight or nine or whatever it is, and then you do the, you weigh the lottery that way. You can easily avoid the possibility of having a team uh, both win the Stanley Cup and win the lottery by just determining who is going to be in the playoffs when you restart again. That yeah. is not a big. That is not a big issue. The I have no issue with the team winning the lottery and winning the Stanley Cup. I think it would be fun and hilarious and very entertaining and something that's worth talking about. But it does give a huge advantage to the teams that are in the middle, and they don't. They don't deserve that advantage. If you're both eligible for the lottery for the number one pick and the Stanley Cup playoffs, you have a huge advantage because you have your you have your hand in both cookie jars. So you need to make that clear divide between who's going to be in the playoffs and who's eligible for the lottery. Just because there's there could be 24 teams involved doesn't mean that the team that comes in seventh last doesn't get a chance at 
the number one pick. The New Jersey Devils aren't going to make the playoffs under any format you do, so they should have a chance to win the right to Alexi Lafreniere. It doesn't make sense to have only four teams uh, or only four spots that you can move up in the draft. You make the divide of who's going to be involved, and then you move, and then you proceed from that point. Yeah, you also first of all you're forgetting the the one fact that Taylor Hall is no longer on the Devils, so they can't win the lottery um, because that's a that's a staple of any lottery winning team is they must have Taylor Hall on their roster. Well, um, but also maybe that's what they're worried about because Arizona would be right in that middle point. And maybe they'd win it. Exactly. And everything would go to everything would go to you know crap. But I don't know if Taylor Hall's leading the Coyotes on a cup run. To be honest, <laughs> well, he's not leading in the playoffs. That's for sure. Um, and also, it, it why like why are they focusing on the draft right before the playoffs? That just that it just seems again like the NHL doesn't have a clear doesn't have a clear idea of like the the timing and the order of their priorities. I feel like determining how they're going to play with the regular season, if they do play with the regular season, which I don't think they should, but they seem intent to do, and then determine the playoffs, I feel like that should be the biggest priority instead of the draft, which happens months after, or uh, weeks after this, that, you know, that com- is completed. Why is the draft the thing they're focusing on right now? They haven't announced, we're not hearing reports of, of, a, of a playoff format that they've, you know, uh, that they've tried to, to come up with. That is going to be, I feel like the playoff format is going to be the more complicated issue here in, in determining, is it a play in tournament? You know, is it points percentage, this, that, the, the, whatever. And it just seems like they're not focusing on the right thing. We shouldn't be talking about the draft right now. We should be talking about what happens when players come back and play hockey. And right now we're talking about, you know, completely unnecessarily rejigging the, the rejig, completely rejiggering the, the entire lottery system so we can move up the, the draft before the Stanley Cup is awarded. Why? You're putting the course before, or you're putting the cart before the horse here. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I, that's back to what I said, though. I, I just believe mm. it can be connected. You can, you can plan for the playoffs, but you have to make the decision on what you're going to do. And then you can think about having the draft because it can't. You can't have one and not the other. They are two things that are connected with each other. And if you decide to push off everything else and do the do the draft because you want to make a buck and you want to re-engage fans and you want, uh, you know, just to make some money and and get back into the news cycle, mm-hmm. then you you can't. You're giving a bunch of teams a huge advantage and give and disadvantaging a whole other group of teams, and it's it's just not equitable. Um, but it. I am okay with it if you just make you make a decision on what you're going to be doing this summer if you're going to do it at all and you proceed in the most fair way as possible but giving the Detroit Red Wings a 60% chance of getting a potential game-changing player is not a fair way to do this especially after uh and doing it in such a way that it's you know you're just deciding on a whim like you're just you okay we're going to do this because we think this is the fairest way that's not the fairest way doing what all Proceeding with the closest thing possible to what these teams signed up with it with at the start of the season, when, what information they were working on when they prepared themselves for this time in their history uh, is the only fair way to do it. And I think they're not doing it a fair way uh, by changing the, the lottery format to such a uh, significant extent. Can you imagine if the Leafs were in Detroit's position right now? All the conspiracy theories that would come out, all the tweets, all the oh, saltiness yeah. from every like people think that the NHL rigged the lottery so the Leafs would get Austin Matthews. Think about if if the Leafs were as bad as Detroit is right now. They're in the this the exact situation. They, their roles just flipped, and now a report comes out that the NHL is is 
pushing a plan to to rejig the lottery so the Leafs get a pretty much a 60% chance at, at, at what could be a generational first overall pick, people would lose their minds. This is... It, 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 nothing here makes sense to me. Not, and it, this is very... I think the NHL has handled this, this pandemic very well. You know, we've talked about it. We've been very complimentary to... Um, uh, to uh, Gary Bettman for this and and for kind of taking a proactive stance and being very smart. This is just return to the NHL not focusing on what they should be focusing on. And it just doesn't, like I've said many times, this doesn't make sense to me. I, yeah. I mean, I, I can't really can't really argue with you, but I, I would consider doing it under the most fair circumstances possible, but I don't do it for one reason uh and that's like the worst case scenario, I believe, is that it's you have the you have the potential where you have the draft, and you you strip your general managers of all their ability to improve their teams for next season, and then a few weeks, maybe a month later, you're forced to cancel the 2019-20 season anyway. So you've rushed to get this draft that's taken the this such a big tool away from these general managers, and that you've done it for nothing because you can't play hockey anyway. Just that option alone uh, is enough reason, I think, for them to stand pat on this, even though it would be something that, you know, injects a little bit of money, injects some interest uh, and just and just helps them, you know, survive this point in their history. Yeah, it'd be a great it would be a great economic thing, an entertainment product. But I mean, like and and that's fine. But I think that the the well-being of the league from an on ice perspective should be the priority here. It should be figuring out what happens when your product hits the ice again and you they can do that at the same time, though. Yeah, but, like they're, but it, uh, they're, they're clearly doing that. But the draft shouldn't be the priority. Like we shouldn't be hearing all this. It should be. They should. They should have figured out a definitive. You know, uh, they should have figured out a definitive playoff format and then focused on the thing that happens after. You know, it just. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you with that because I think you need to define who's a playoff team, who's not, for you to have a lottery that makes any sense uh, or to you to have a lottery that's fair to the teams that are involved. And I don't think it's fair that the Anaheim Ducks, New Jersey Devils uh, are not going to have a chance. LA Kings, I don't think it would have a chance at the number one pick. These are teams that deserve the 5, 8, 10, 12% chance that they were going to have uh, under normal circumstances. And while it does benefit the Senators who are going to have two of the top four picks, regardless if this does move forward as is, I'm still a little annoyed if I'm a Senators fan as well because there is one prize that stands above the rest here. And while you might have a slightly improved chance, uh, odds are that Alexi Lafreniere is going to end up with the Detroit Red Wings if the NHL does, in fact, go forward with the draft uh, before the season is either resumed, concluded, or is just flat-out canceled. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I can't really can't really add any more any more to that other than, again doesn't make sense to me but a lot of the things the nhl does uh kind of fall under that category so we'll see what happens i've this is this is gonna at the very least it'll make great theater and that's really you know the spice of life i can't believe you're not on board for uh you know someone to win the lottery with 1.3 percent odds oh i am 100 percent win win the play-in then win four rounds like uh, i don't who would it be i guess it would be maybe the new york rangers could do that and then the next year they the rangers would do that the banner the banner comes down or the banner goes to the rafters and they've got alexi lafreniere the next potential superstar there to bolster their stanley cup defense <laughs> i need that sort of chaos i can't believe you're not on board 
you know what? You've convinced me. That sounds that would be friggin' sweet. rad. So I'm yeah. I'm in on that. That's like straight out of video game, you know, be a general manager stuff. Where yeah. It's just, you can make the fantasy happen. That would be sort of uh, in that vein, I think. That'd be, I, yeah, you, you, you sold me. I'm in. Let's do it. All right. That's it. That's what I tried to do in an hour-long podcast. I finally uh, changed your mind on something, and I can, uh, you know, go on with the rest of my day here now. Yeah, so I think, I mean, this is our peak, right? Like we we've we can fold the podcast now that you've managed to change my mind and keep it pretty much at an hour almost even. I mean, it was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be a game reaction podcast and it's morphed into something far different. So, uh, you know, we could put it on ice until then. But you I mean, know, the I think earth, we both we both kind of want to keep working. I, I oh, it, it would be nice. The earth, the earth was supposed to be, you know, an, a nice, fun, you know, social place. And it's turned into, you know, a quarantine ridden uh, hellscape right now. So things are changing with murder hornets and you know, uh, yeah. UFOs. So, yep, And those weren't even the top of uh, of the news list this week. Miko Lettinen had had more uh, social pull in in Toronto than the murder hornets did. So and UFOs. So it'd be interesting. It's good. I mean, there are less safe ways to use our time than talking about 26-year-old Finnish defensemen in the comfort of our own homes. Exactly. I, you know what? I could do that all day. Okay. Uh, till then, uh, till the next time, we'll have, uh, I assume, more headlines. Maybe as the, the world starts to gradually move back to a normal state, uh, we'll have real stuff to talk about, whether it's the league you know, going forward with that draft or just getting preparations going for what could be the restart on the season at some point, maybe next month, maybe the month after that. But uh, I think soon we're going to know if players are going to be making their way back because they got to get back into shape uh, and the clock continues to run on the NHL season. So uh, with that, I'll uh, let you sign off. Bye. Cool. Boom. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 